Good morning, C3. Thanks for joining us. Charge will start in three, two, one. <laughs> good morning. Welcome to Christ Community Church. We're so glad you guys have joined us. Justin, welcome back. Hey, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. Derek, welcome back. You never left. <laughs> We're glad you're never. here today with us. Did you say happy birthday? I said ever again. Oh. <laughs> hey, worship with us today. We are Christ Community Church, if I didn't say that already, but, you know, I'm going to say it again. Ready? I was buried beneath my shame Who could carry that kind of weight It was my tomb Until I met you And I was breathing but not Alive in all my failures, I tried to hide. It was my tomb till I met you. You called my name, and I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness into your glorious day, you called my name and I ran out of that grave. Out of the darkness into your glorious day. But now your mercy has saved my soul And your freedom is all that I know The old made new Jesus, till I met you You called my name out of the darkness into your glorious day you call my name and I ran out of that grave out of the darkness into your glorious day sin was heavy but chains break at the weight of your glory I needed shelter I was an orphan and now you call me citizen of heaven when I was broken you were my healing now your love is the air that I'm breathing I have a future my eyes are open when you call my name, oh, I ran out of that grave. 
Good morning, C3 family. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Join me for our call to worship found in Psalms 54. Save me, O God, by your name. Vindicate me by your might. Hear my prayer, O God. Listen to the words of my mouth. Arrogant foes are attacking me. Ruthless people are trying to kill me. People without regard for God. Surely God is my help. The Lord is the one who sustains me. Let evil recoil on those who slander me. In your faithfulness, destroy them. I will sacrifice a free will offering to you. I will praise your name, Lord, for it is good. You have delivered me from all my troubles and my eyes have looked in triumph on my foes. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, thank you for the riches of your kindness, mercy, and patience, knowing that your kindness has led us to repentance. Lord, we confess that we have not extended that same patience and kindness toward others who have offended us. Instead, we have held anger, bitterness, and resentment in our hearts. We pray that you will set us free from the bondage of unforgiveness. I ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. All the poor and powerless And all the lost and lonely And all the thieves will come confess And know that you are holy But know that you are holy And all We'll sing out hallelujah and we will cry out hallelujah. And all the hearts who are content. All who feel unworthy And all who hurt but nothing left Will know that you are holy And all will sing out hallelujah And we will cry out hallelujah from the mountains 
go out and tell it to the masses he is God so shout it go out and scream it from the mountains go out and tell it to the He is God, yeah, and shout it, go out and scream it from the mountains, go out and tell it to the masses, He is Good morning, C3 family. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Welcome to our Sunday morning service. Uh, we are glad that you could join us today. Clearly, we are in a different location, different setting, different backdrop, different clothes. We yeah. are hunkered down yes. in our bedroom on family vacation in Florida with my family. With uh, 22 people. 22. And so we're trying to do this uh, before. Seven of which are under the age of eight years old. Yes. And so we're trying to do this before uh, everyone gets up. So we'll see how, if you hear a bunch of noise. We can't do one thing about we it. Did a the dog best might we bark, a kid yeah. might shout. Yes. Uh, so we're doing the best we can do this yeah. morning. So. Yeah. Lord Jesus, bless us as we study your word. I pray that you would use it to impact us with your wisdom, your healing your grace, um, I pray that you'd use it to mold us into your image in fresh and powerful and lasting ways. And we sure would be grateful if you would do that. And we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Uh, this morning, I uh, wanted us to uh, spend a little time talking about um, the seriousness of forgiveness, and I guess more uh, pointedly, unforgiveness. Uh, and this is really flowing out of a study that I've been doing just in my own personal journey with the Lord in my devotional life, 
reading, rereading the, the life of Saul, King Saul, and the life of David and their families and the impact that both of those families experienced tragically uh, because of their unwillingness to lay down offense and wounds and grudges and unforgiveness. Uh, that, that's really what I want to talk about today. And my, I want to just start off by making a statement, and that is that, uh, and you might need to think about this. I'll repeat it a couple of times because I want us to get it. But my response to the hurts and wounds that I experience in my life will impact me much more profoundly than the hurts and the wounds themselves. Let me say it one more time. Yeah, do say that again. I want to hear that again. My response, the, imp- the, the key word in that whole thing is my response. My response to the hurts and the wounds that I experience in my life will, profound- will impact me far more profoundly than the hurts and the wounds themselves. And uh, every one of us have experienced hurts and wounds, disappointments, uh, wrongs. Uh, every one of us, no one is immune to that. Uh, but what it does make us unique is how we respond to those wrongs, those hurts, those wounds. And uh, the Bible is full of examples of how responding wrongly uh will impact us in devastating ways. Uh, Responding by holding on to grudges, responding by an unwillingness to forgive will create um, great waste, great self-deception, and great ruin. That's the three examples that I wanna give you today. Uh, Holding on to grudges, being unwilling to, to forgive is going to create in our lives great waste, great self-deception, and great ruin. And first of all, I think it's, forgive me, I didn't take the time to look it up right this second, but I believe it's in Matthew 7 or 8, right around in there. I was just reading a story not too long ago. This is where this all came from, this whole study about uh, King Herod. And he was married to a lady named Herodias. Yeah. What well, you know, go figure. That you'd be Herod and Herodias. <laughs> oh, I bet she probably took his name. I bet that's May, it was. Maybe it was, yeah. Anyway, uh, and Herodias had a daughter. And King Herod really liked this daughter. This daughter pleased him greatly. And he makes her an offer. He says, You've made me so happy. You have you've you've pleased me so much. I will give you anything you want up to half a kingdom, up to half my kingdom. I'm not, I'm talking about an immeasurable amount of wealth was available to this young girl. Tragically, she went back to her mom and said, Mom, here's what your husband's offered me. Um, what do you think I'll do? And she said, do not accept that offer. Instead, I want you to tell to, to ask for the head of someone that I have held a grudge against. That happened to be John the Baptist. But here's a mama advising her daughter to choose the head of somebody that she was mad at, that she would not forgive, that she held a grudge against, 
rather than encouraging her to choose unbelievable, unlimited, really, wealth. You might say, who would do that? Uh, I believe that many of us do it all the time. We would rather hold on to grudges and ill will and anger and unforgiveness and let that rob us for months, years, lifetimes, rather than experience the joy and the freedom and the happiness of living a life where there is no grudges, where there are no grudges, there is no unforgiveness, there is no bitterness and anger. Um, I also believe that holding on to grudges and unforgiveness uh, creates great self-deceit. Uh, I would even go so far as to say it creates paranoia. Uh, King Saul is a great example. If you study King Saul's life, he, he lived a life filled with grudges filled with unforgiveness. And that led him to such paranoia and self-deceit that literally he believed that people were against him who actually loved him like his own son, like David. That man had no two bigger fans, more loyal uh, friends and, and, and servants, if you will, than David and Jonathan. And yet King Saul saw both of them as enemies. And when I will not lay down grudges, I will not let go of my unforgiveness, it can do such a number on my mind that I begin to, I, I talk to people like this every day who uh, they see people who actually love them, but they see them through a lens of they're against me. They don't accept me. They they don't think good of me. And, I, and that I'll tell them, but they do, they let, and they go, no, they don't. No, they don't. I can't believe that. It also leads to a life of ruin, uh, an unwillingness to lay down grudges. And I don't have time today to get into all that, but if you read the life of King Saul and you read the life of the family of David, not David, but the family of David, both his wives, his children, his grandchildren, if you read the life uh, of the family of David Shirley, what you see is a family that was destroyed because they were not willing to lay down grudges and to forgive one another. An unwillingness to forgive, uh, an unwillingness to lay down grudges, it's gonna lead us to lives of great waste, mm. lives of great self-deception, and lives of great ruin. The good news, that's the bad news. The good news is that the Bible also gives us countless examples of how choosing to forgive, choosing to lay down grudges, not holding on to those things can lead us to lives of great joy, great success, great blessing, great freedom. And I'm where I want to go today is to lives of great power. In Psalm 19, uh, I'm sorry, Proverbs 19.11 says this, it is to a person's glory to overlook an offense. It is to a person's glory. And that word glory, you've heard me talk about that many times. That word glory means great uh, value, great depth, great influence, um, great weight, great impact. It is to a person's glory, his, his value 
to overlook an offense. Anybody can get mad. Anybody can hold a grudge. Anybody can uh, choose not to forgive. That takes nothing to do. But when we witness somebody who chooses to overlook an offense, to forgive, to, to not hold a grudge, to not want revenge, that person's stock soars in the eyes of other people. Um, and, and, and you see this in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 24 and 26, but really the whole life of David before he becomes king is he's a, he's a servant of King Saul. You, I find the contrast, Sherry, between, uh, and the writer did this intentionally, you see a servant, David, and actually a fugitive running for his life, but he's willing to forgive people. And he's the one that's free. That's right. Versus the king. That's right. Who won't forgive. He won't lay down grudges. He wants revenge. He's the king, but he's not free. Mm -hmm. So the slave or the servant experiences freedom through forgiveness. But the king, because of unforgiveness, is really the slave. Does that make sense? Yeah, isn't that remarkable um, about, I've been thinking a lot since a conversation we had in the Wednesday night group sometime back about um, the motif of, oh no, it was Sunday morning, the motif of slavery and bondage and what that really is and how to be free from bondage. Yes. Um, and since we worship a paradoxical uh, God. Christ, yes. right? Who a wounded king, you know, a, um, a, 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 a wounded perfection. Um, this, this matches that to me beautifully. Yes. Yes. That when we lay down our right or when we, if we want freedom, just like you just said, what David had, he was running, he was hiding in caves. You know this story. But he was free of his burden. He was full of love. He was full of peace. And people, the Bible says that people were continually drawn. Yeah, yeah. People were trying to get away from Saul. Well, Saul. And people were trying to, they were flocking to David. Yeah. And I think that freedom, that that joy that came from forgiveness it was so attractive. It was so, uh, it was almost irresistible. Yeah, and Saul, in his uh, refusal to forgive, his refusal to, um, um, I guess, forgive. Yeah. Um, he just, he finally went mad. Yes. It finally yes. drove, to your point about paranoia, it finally yes. drove him mad. And I just, that there's that verse, where is it, Larry, in Galatians? It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Yes. Um, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Yeah. And and so to find the freedom for which Christ has set us free, it is important to realize that that's going to be because Christ is a wounded perfection, that's going to be a paradoxical freedom yes. uh, 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 path. Yes. Yes. We think that I think that if I hold on to my anger towards you and act in anger, that that's going to make me feel better. It doesn't. It no. makes me more angry. I become a person who practices anger. Whereas yes. if I forgive you, what we want is justice. I want to yes. see that justice. Yes. But if I, apart from that, if I forgive you, you're, whether you forgive in reciprocity or not, 
I have become a person of more forgiveness. Yes, yes. For me, that's very important. Yes, yes. The other example that I thought of was the Lord Jesus himself in uh, Mark 15 and Luke 23, where Jesus is literally hanging on the cross. Yeah. And I find it very significant that according to Mark and Luke, Jesus is nailed to a cross and he's stood upright. And the very first thing that Jesus does Almost as if I want to make sure that I do this before I die. I don't know how long I'll survive on the cross. So because I don't know exactly how long I'm going to survive, this is the first thing I do. He says, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Who's he talking to? Um, He's not talking to, he's not talking to the father about Mary and Joseph. Mm-hmm. or Mary Magdalene, or Lazarus, uh, and Mary and Martha, or the lady at the well, or the, the adulterous lady, or Zacchaeus. He's not talking to the Father about them. He's talking to the Father about the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the mob, that angry mob that had said, crucify him, crucify him, we want Barabbas. He's talking about the Roman soldiers that nailed him to the trees, talking about Herod and Pilate. He's talking about them, and I don't know, it just struck me as significant that in that context, it's one thing for Jesus to forgive these people who did wrong. The adulterous woman, uh, you know, uh, uh, Mary Magdalene, they did wrong, but they were sorry. Mm. They they had remorse, they had regret, uh, and they had given... Uh, their love and faith in Jesus. That's not who Jesus is talking to the Father about. He's talking about people that had deeply wronged and hurt him, ultimately killed him. But it was important to Jesus that he tell his Father, Dad, please forgive them. He says, for they knew not what they for they know not what they do, but they did know. They knew exactly. There's no there's no confusion here. They knew what they were doing. It they did it intentionally. But Jesus still says, "Father, forgive them." And to me, what stands out in that story the most is that the impact of Jesus asking his Father to forgive them it impacted that thief on the cross. Uh, it impacted that centurion as they witnessed Jesus giving forgiveness to his enemies. It totally changed those two men's lives. The, the, the thief said, "When wherever you are, I want to be with you. I want to be with you. Yeah. I want to be with you. You're innocent. God is going to take you to be with him. I want to be with you. And then the centurion, surely, That was the Son of God, was his declaration. Witnessing a person offer forgiveness, giving forgiveness to the most mean-spirited behavior of another, that will change the lives of people. Uh, Another example of this, of this impact of witnessing someone forgive would be Stephen the very first Christian martyr. The Bible says that Stephen was arrested just for telling people about the the love of God. And as he was being stoned, 
the Bible says that uh, he said, Father, forgive these people that are doing this. What's significant is that the apostle Paul, his name was Saul at the time, um, he was the greatest hater of Christianity. And he, uh, in witnessing Stephen offer forget, ask for forgiveness for these people that were literally stoning him, Paul or Saul could never get over that. He could never forget that. And it transformed a person that was the greatest hater of Christianity into the most devoted person uh, of Christianity, probably in the history of the church. Last thing that struck me about that is, is that if you read Josephus, if you read Roman and Jewish historians who were critics and opponents of the early church, they consistently say this about the early church. They turned the world upside down because of their commitment to offer forgiveness for their enemies. I don't know, I find that, I find that significant and I believe that the same is true for us. There is nothing we can do. We oh, I'm gonna show people that I belong to Jesus uh, by not drinking, by not cussing, by going to church, by whatever those things, those random things are that we think we ought to do yeah. to show the world that yeah. we belong to Christ. And I'm not saying those things aren't good. What I am saying is, is that I don't believe that there's anything that we could ever do to communicate to people that we belong to Christ. There's nothing we could ever do that would impact people with the reality that person is different. That person has God himself living inside him like offering forgiveness. Um, anyway, I, I just, I think that's, uh, that's important. So real quickly, just the time that we have left, what does, what does uh, it mean to offer forgiveness? I was doing a little research on this, and one of the things that I noticed is that, uh, you know, throughout the Old Testament, the Bible says that God remembered Abraham. God remembered Re uh, uh, Re Rebecca. God remembered Rachel. God remembered uh, Joseph. God, remem God remembered Israel. It would use this little phrase, God remembered somebody. And then it would, and then following each of those statements, it would then show that God acted. Mm. The remembering, mm. it wasn't just a cognitive, intellectual remembering effect. How can God actually even remember or forget anything? Um, it's not that, it's that, the, 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 it's a biblical way of communicating that when God remembers something, he acts upon it, he does something. The opposite, I think, is also true that when God chooses not to remember or he chooses to forget something, it's not that he's literally, how can an omniscient God forget. not remember or forget anything? It's not that, it, I think it's saying that God uh, uh, chooses not to act, not to do something. And that's what I think it's talking about in Jeremiah 31, where it says, I will, this is God talking. He says, I will for, forgive their sins and remember them no more. Forgetting when it comes to God isn't that he is no longer uh, aware of the facts or the information, but he's choosing not to act upon that. And 
when it comes to our sin, I will not, I will remember their sins no more. What I think he's saying there is, I will not act upon their sins. I will forgive their sins. I will not punish them for their sins. And instead, what God did was, rather than remembering our sin, he forgot our sin. He didn't act upon their sin, our sin by placing it on Jesus. He put that sin, my sin, Sherry's sin, your sins, he placed our sin on Christ. He acted against Christ instead of acting against us. God chose to put my sin on Jesus. And here's the deal. God has called you and God's called me to do the same thing, to follow the example of Jesus. In John 13, the Bible says, I have given you an example, now do as I have done. Paul explains that in Ephesians 4 where he says, forgive one another as God in Christ Jesus has forgiven you. God is not telling us when he tells us to forgive one another, to forgive our enemies. He's not telling us to intellectually or mentally forget the wrongs and the harms that people have done to us. I don't think that's possible. I don't think that's possible. But what he is saying is, don't act upon it. Mm -hmm. Don't do things against people who have wronged you. That is the process of forgiving, to, mm. to not speak evil, to not gossip, to not slander, to not withdraw, to not um, harm people um, who have done us wrong. When I act against them, that's when I'm remembering their sin. Yeah. When I choose not to act against them, that's when I'm choosing to forget their sins. Does that makes sense. Well, sure. In fact, Christ says, "Pray for if you want to do some action against your enemy, pray for your enemy." Thank you, and that's you, that's. Have you had that? I do. I do. That. No, no, no. That's great. And so how? <laughs> that's true. So how can we possibly forgive people who have wronged us deeply or repeatedly? How can we do that? Well, I think there. Let me give you five quick suggestions just in the time we have left over. Number one. I, for me, it is important that I regularly remind myself of the impact that occurs in my life when I don't forgive, when I, when I hold grudges. Um, uh, I need to recognize the impact of unforgiveness and grudges on my life and on the people that I love and on the people that are observing my life. I never saw this before this week as I was studying this, but in Matthew 9, some men bring a crippled man to Jesus, and they want Jesus to heal this man. And Jesus responds by saying to this man, your sins are forgiven. And the Pharisees are, you know, attacking, you know, nobody can do that but God. How dare you say that you can forgive sin? And here's what Jesus says. Jesus says in Matthew 9, which is easier to offer forgiveness or to tell a crippled man to walk, to heal a crippled man? And if you don't catch it, you will miss the whole point. And then Jesus is saying, oh, healing a crippled man is much easier than truly offering forgiveness. That's the miracle. Healing a crippled man, that's nothing compared to the miracle of offering forgiveness. And I think people are, they're wanting to see the miraculous in our lives. 
and we might think, oh, if I could, if I could heal a crippled man, if I could heal a blind man, if I could, if I could do something like that, if I could turn water into wine or or, or multiply the bread or whatever, that somehow that would show people that the, that that the power of God's in my life. And what I believe Jesus is saying in Matthew nine is, you want to show people the power of God. Forgive. That's a great point. Forgive your enemies. The second thing that I would say is, is am I willing to trust God to deal with those that have wronged me? Am I willing to trust God to deal with the wrongs and the harm and the pain that others have caused me? Am I willing to trust? You said that we want justice. And I think that's part of the God the image, the fact that we're image bearers, sure. as image bearers, we want justice. Sure. God, am I willing? It's not that I don't want justice. God's not asking me to not want justice, but am I willing to entrust that desire for justice to the one that is perfectly wise and is in perfect control and will fulfill it in his perfect timing? Paul says in Romans 12, don't take revenge. Let God handle it. You overcome evil with good. I think that's such a powerful thing. The, the, the third thing that I would suggest to us all is to remember that God's grace is greater than all sin. See, I quote that verse where it says that God's grace is greater than my sin. But do I realize and do I believe that God's grace is greater than my sin, but your sin as well? Either I believe God's grace is greater than our sin or I don't believe it is. God can help me love anybody no matter what they have done to me. Just like, just like God can make a 90 year old woman have a baby. That's what he did with Sarah when she bore Isaac. Just like God can split the Red Sea, just like God can raise it in. If God can do those things, God can give me the grace to forgive people who have wronged and hurt me deeply. And I would just declare, why would anybody believe in a God that is unable to do the impossible? And when we display in front of other people <laughs> true forgiveness when we have been greatly wronged, I believe that we are displaying the miraculous power of God in a way that we cannot in any other fashion. Lastly, our, our number four, I would just say that we need to remember, and I need to remember this idea of remembering versus forgetting. Mm -hmm. It's not facts. It's not information. It's not, it's what am I, how am I choosing to act? Am I going to act toward people who have wronged me in meanness, uh, verbally or in my behavior, or am I going to forget, not act? Am I going to choose not to slander, not to gossip, not to rehearse, not to withdraw, not to be mean? That it, that's how I forget a person's sins. It's not what I'm remembering information. And then finally, and then finally, as you said, Shirley, Jesus says uh, in Matthew chapter five, he says, pray for those who have wronged you and bless them. Pray for those who have wronged you and bless them. I don't know of anything that has helped me forgive those that have wronged me more than my daily commitment to pray for my enemies. There's something miraculous that takes place in my life. I don't know what God's gonna do in their lives, 
But when I ask God to bless, to protect, to fill with joy, to fill with life, those that have wronged me, God does something miraculous in my life. So I just want us to end today with this. Who is it that you're struggling to forgive? What's their name? What does their face look like? What have they done to you? What have they done to your loved ones that's causing you to be so unwilling to forgive them, to lay that down, to let God take care of it? What's the cost that you're paying to hold on to that? What's the cost that your loved ones are paying by you robbing them, not letting them see the miraculous power of God being demonstrated in your willingness to forgive your enemies. They, they need to see that. They need to see the miraculous power of God demonstrated in our lives. And there's no better way to do that than to show them a life that is willing to forgive and not hold grudges and seek revenge. I hope you'll think about that with us today. Thank you. Let's celebrate the Lord's Supper real quickly. We end our services, or at least try to, by taking bread and wine and eating and drinking for many reasons, not the least of which is just to declare that we believe that we've been given forgiveness. God does not hold grudges against us. He's not out to punish us. He's not seeking revenge against us for our wrong behavior. Well, why, Larry? For one simple reason. We have trusted that God has placed his vengeance and his anger on his own son when he died on the cross. And he has given us instead the righteousness of Jesus. And we eat and we drink just to declare our faith in that, our belief in that, our hope in that, our excitement that we have a bright future because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Bless you for being with us today. We hope you have a great week. Amen. Amen. Are you hurting and broken within? Overwhelmed by the weight of sin? Cause Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of self? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Cause Jesus is calling. Don't come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Leave behind your grants and mistakes Come today, there's no reason to wait Cause Jesus is calling 
bring your sorrows and trade them for joy from the ashes a new life is born because jesus is calling don't come to the altar the father's arms are open wide forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And oh, what a Savior, isn't he wonderful? We sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. We bow down before him, for he is Lord of all. Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. Oh, what a Savior, isn't he wonderful? Sing hallelujah, Christ is risen. Come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Come to the altar, the Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Oh, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us. We are Christ Community Church. Come back next Sunday. Are you going to be here ever again, you think? Yeah, probably someday. Wait, that'd be great. Be Thanks awesome. for coming back. It was great. Um, come back Sunday. Botanic Gardens, 1015, or also we'll be back Facebook and YouTube Live at 1015. Right here. Zach Smith's house. Upstairs. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. Have a great Sunday and a great week.